Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Welcome to week two of this fall season of 2022. Uh, We are spending some time this fall looking at our communication or how we talk with others, how we listen and how we interact with others. Every single one of us has a different, have different parts of our communication that let's admit we could do better. So we're going to be looking at some different ones today. Uh, Today, as we look at a couple different areas of our lives where we might struggle, um, I want us to look at how we interact with enemies. Yeah, that's right, how we interact with enemies. I mean, let's look, a definition of an enemy. Now, I know this could be pretty severe if we're thinking about a war or something like that, because an enemy is a person who feels hatred for, fosters harmful designs against, or engages in antagonistic activities against another. It's an adversary or an opponent. So again, we can think about it as war, or we can just think about those people who are against us. People who are against things that we are for. You know, if we want to be doing something and they're doing something that's against us, it's like an enemy. So, you know, sometimes it's not intentional, but it happens. Sometimes it's because of our own selfishness. Sorry, guys, it just is. Sometimes it's because we're thinking about ourselves and we consider someone to be an enemy because they're against something that we are for. In our homes, we could have enemies. That's right, guys. We, or at least we could look at someone as an enemy. It could be our wives and our kids or other family who are doing things that are keeping us from doing what we think is best, or they're just doing things differently than how we might want them done. Uh, enemies can be those people at work, you know, that are against us in some way whatever that might look like. I know that I've heard from many of you that when we're out on the road driving, we, we think that there's a lot of people out there who are enemies. The way they drive, the way they keep us from driving the way we want to. Yeah, we consider some of those people enemies. Could be at a restaurant, right? When we were wanting to have a nice quiet meal with our, with our spouse or uh, with our family and somebody's keeping that from happening, that could be an enemy. How about the grocery store? When we want to get checked out quickly and there's only one line open and there's seven people in front of us, what in the world? (laughs) You know, how do we deal with all of these different types of enemies? Enemies who are not, they're not actually wanting to hurt us, but they're not for us. They're not for the things that we're for in that moment. And then, of course, there are those enemies who are actually wanting to hurt us in some way for whatever reason. Maybe there's somebody gossiping about you or telling lies about you. Somebody who intentionally cuts you off in traffic. 
someone who jumps in line in front of you at that long grocery store line and you want to get checked out quick and someone jumps in front of you? Are you kidding me? <laughs> all right, now that I have you all worked up thinking about all these enemies, you know, you think about how we interact with these people who, who we might be. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Welcome to week two of this fall season of 2022. Uh, we are spending some time this fall looking at our communication or how we talk with others, how we listen, and how we interact with others. Every single one of us has a different, have different parts of our communication that, let's admit, we could do better. So we're going to be looking at some different ones today. Uh, today, as we look at a couple different areas of our lives where we might struggle, um, I want us to look at how we interact with enemies. Yeah, that's right, how we interact with enemies. I mean, let's look at a definition of an enemy. Now, I know this could be pretty severe if we're thinking about a war or something like that, because an enemy is a person who feels hatred for, fosters harmful designs against, or engages in antagonistic activities against another. It's an adversary or an opponent. So again, we can think about it as war, or we can just think about those people who are against us. People who are against things that we are for. You know, if we want to be doing something and they're doing something that's against us, it's like an enemy. So, you know, sometimes it's not intentional, but it happens. Sometimes it's because of our own selfishness. Sorry, guys, it just is. Sometimes it's because we're thinking about ourselves and we consider someone to be an enemy because they're against something that we are for. In our homes, we could have enemies. That's right, guys. We, or at least we could look at someone as an enemy. It could be our wives and our kids or other family who are doing things that are keeping us from doing what we think is best, or they're just doing things differently than how we might want them done. Uh, enemies can be those people at work, you know, that are against us in some way whatever that might look like. I know that I've heard from many of you that when we're out on the road driving, we, we think that there's a lot of people out there who are enemies. The way they drive, the way they keep us from driving the way we want to. Yeah, we consider some of those people enemies. Could be at a restaurant, right? When we were wanting to have a nice quiet meal with our, with our spouse or uh, with our family and somebody's keeping that from happening, that could be an enemy. How about the grocery store? When we want to get checked out quickly and there's only one line open and there's seven people in front of us, what in the world? <laughs> you 
you know, how do we deal with all of these different types of enemies? Enemies who are not, they're not actually wanting to hurt us, but they're not for us. They're not for the things that we're for in that moment. And then, of course, there are those enemies who are actually wanting to hurt us in some way for whatever reason. Maybe there's somebody gossiping about you or telling lies about you. Somebody who intentionally cuts you off in traffic. Someone who jumps in line in front of you at that long grocery store line and you want to get checked out quick and someone jumps in front of you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> all right, now that I have you all worked up thinking about all these enemies, you know, you think about how we interact with these people who, who we might be looking at as an enemy. Well, how do we deal with them? How do we communicate in those moments when we have people coming against our way of life? Well, two things that I'm thinking about here today. Let's look at these two things. Number one, complaining. You think about all those people we just talked about. We didn't talk about politics or sports yet. But those could be certainly out there. Uh, but, you know, we complain about a lot of different things. So that's going to be one thing. And then the other one is retaliation. You know, when we retaliate for what people do to us. All right, well, let's, let's think about retaliation first. You know, it's something that we get into quickly. You say something nasty to me, well, nasty is coming back, right? Or you punch me, get ready to be punched back. We retaliate. And some who are good at retaliating, sometimes we will even elevate the level of pain. If you say something mean to me, what comes back is going to be doubly mean. That's how some people retaliate in a big way. And if you're an extrovert, you know, sometimes the words come out of our mouths in retaliation before we even think about what we're saying. You know, why do we retaliate? Why do we respond or, re or retaliate with meanness or evilness, uh, aggression, when people come at us as enemies? Well, we do it for a lot of different reasons. One reason might be protection. You know, we've been hurt in the past, so we retaliate to keep ourselves from being wounded again. Or we're just protecting, whether we've been wounded in the past or not, we just fight back so that we don't get hurt anymore. Sometimes, though, it's a self-esteem issue. Uh, you know, for instance, we men are supposed to be tough. That's what we're told. And Satan makes us think that if I don't retaliate, well, I might look like a wimp. So therefore, we punch back, we respond back, retaliate back out of our self-esteem. What about sometimes it can be the selfishness in our hearts that causes us to retaliate? Uh, you know, if I'm really wanting things to be my way and if you come at me, well, I'm going to come back at you because I want my life to be the way I want it to be. It's a selfish attitude. Truthfully, retaliating, we might think it's a God thing, right? What's in the Bible? <clears throat> an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We've heard that, right? But as we look at that law that we can find in several places in the Old Testament, we need to really look at you know, why God gave it to those people in that time period. Was it to justify our retaliation? Is that why God put it in there? So that we could feel justified when we uh, hurt someone back after they hurt us. And if you look closer into why God gave that law, it, it's instead, it's trying to help the person. I want you to think about it this way. It's actually trying to help the person who was doing the original nasty thing to know better, to, to help them to understand you should not do this. Why? Because you deserve 
to get something back at an evil level. So if if you don't want that, if you don't want to be hurt back, well, then don't do it the first time. That's what God's trying to get in our minds. He's trying to help me. Instead of me wanting to do something mean to you, he's trying to help me to understand, don't do that mean thing. Don't do that nasty thing to that person because they have the right to do it back to you. They, so he's helping me to not do the original thing. Does that make sense, guys? I hope it does. It's to try to help each and every one of us. Don't do something to someone else because you deserve something back. doesn't mean we should do something back if someone hurts us, but it just helps me know that what I'm doing is wrong. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, and then Jesus, as he gets into this understanding, trying to help us understand how we should react when someone hurts us, he takes that understanding of retaliation and he actually shares some love in it. He said, it's in Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount, and starting in verse 38, he says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So Jesus acknowledges that original law. And then he says this, verse 39, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, well, it's okay. Just give them your coat too. Sounds crazy, doesn't it, guys? I, I agree. I mean, how in the world can we do this? Well, first of all, we need to realize this is not something that we can do on our own. This is a God thing. This is a Jesus thing. This is the power of the Holy Spirit changing us. Now, we first need to realize Jesus is not saying what that enemy did to you was a good thing. He calls it evil. Notice that. If someone does something evil to you, Jesus acknowledges, okay, it's evil. But how do we respond to those evil actions from those who are against us in some way, those enemies of ours? Well, Paul, understanding what Jesus says, he tries to help us understand this a little bit more. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17, Paul says this, never pay back evil with more evil. So again, Paul, like Jesus, is acknowledging the thing that was done to us by that enemy, let's just say it's evil. So Paul says, never pay back evil with more evil. Instead, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. And what's the honorable thing? Jesus always says it's love, sacrificial love. Do all that you can, then Paul says, to live in peace with everyone. So you think about that. If we retaliate, if we react back at someone, someone does something to us that is against us, if we retaliate back, is that promoting peace? Or is that promoting more evil? Is it going to stir things up more? Is it going to wire things up more? Paul continues, dear friends, never take revenge. Why? He says, instead, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I know. For many of us, we would love to see that payback happen right away, wouldn't it? While we're still watching. But it doesn't say that. And it doesn't even say that we, that what the revenge will be. We would like to choose that, don't we? But what it, what we do here is that God, a righteous God, will be the one that will take care of things in his way, at his time. 
But let me ask you this, guys. Isn't that kind of important to us? Because if we're the ones who are doing the initial mean thing, nasty thing to someone else, if we do something wrong to someone else, would we rather have that person responding back at us, retaliating back at us with more evil, making things worse, stirring things up? Or would we rather a righteous God be the ones that are, that are dealing with it? a righteous God who has grace and love and mercy? You see what I'm saying, guys? It goes both ways. Whether we're the initiator of the evil thing or someone is doing it to us, wouldn't we rather have a righteous, loving, gracious, merciful God be the one dealing with it instead of the sinful people that we are? That makes sense, guys. God says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Okay, now I, I want to acknowledge something here because I want to be careful that we, we acknowledge one thing here. This is not saying that if you are in an abusive situation, that you just need to suck it up and deal with it. Not at all. This is not saying that. So whether you're a dude that's being abused in some way by whoever, whatever's happening, or a kid, or if you're a, one of the wives that I know listen to this podcast from time to time, <clears throat> this is not saying that. In those moments, if you are being abused, you go find a good, God-loving other person, another friend or ally to walk with you through that dynamic. And if necessary, go to the police. I mean, truthfully, that's part of God's work in our lives, having the authorities to help us in those times. So again, this is not saying you deal with abuse. If someone is abusing you emotionally, physically, sexually, it does not matter. If you're being abused, get help. But Paul, he's not talking about those abusive situations. Instead, he's talking about just those normal everyday moments when we deal with others who are simply being unkind, being nasty, being rude. So first, Jesus tells us this is how we react. If someone is doing something nasty or rude to us, this is how we react. That We do it with love. And then Paul takes it to another level of hardness. Well, we're not done. We're going to bring another one of the apostles into it. Now we're looking at what Simon Peter has to say. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he takes it to another level of hardness. Again, Paul said in the Romans passage, do all that you can to live in peace. Well, Peter wants you to know what that looks like. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 9, he says this, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, uh-oh, are you ready for this? Instead, Pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. <laughs> I know, guys. It's just crazy to put this all together and to just really think about this. Do you remember, remember when Jesus was on the cross? There were those soldiers and religious leaders making uh, the crucifixion happen. And how did Jesus react? How did he respond? Did he respond with giving them what they deserved? I mean, he could have brought down angels from heaven and just wiped them out. But no, he definitely didn't respond with evil for evil. Instead, it was a blessing. The words out of his mouth, Father, forgive them. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, 
Jesus gives us the ultimate example of how to respond instead of retaliation. Guys, I don't know about you, but for me, this is a Holy Spirit thing. I can't. We can't. I mean, to, to do what Paul and Peter and Jesus are showing us and asking us to do, I mean, I, it, it's a God thing. It's a Holy Spirit of God helping me to be about peace. And when others are coming against me, and worse yet, if they're coming against my family, man, yeah. Well, guys, that's when our prayer, back in the beginning, remember that prayer? about may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that's when that we got to start praying that more and more so we can stay focused on God who doesn't retaliate on us when we're doing evil to him. He loves us. All right, well, that's enough of the retaliation. You guys are going to have some discussion about that in your life groups. Hopefully you'll have some. Let's talk about the complaining thing just for a moment here. Uh, ponder for this, this for a moment. How often do you complain about things in general and then Bigger than that, how often do we complain about things that are not really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things? How about the weather? Yeah, we complain about that. How about traffic? People's driving? Oh, we complain. Commercials. Man, my dad used to complain about commercials all the time. <laughs> what else do we complain about? Coworkers? We love to complain, don't we? Politics. Oh, yeah. If you're a parent... There are things dealing with the school district that we complain about. How about if we have kids that are in soccer games or other types of games? We complain, don't we? And we didn't even get to the complaints about our wives and our kids and our parents and our brothers and our sisters. I mean, you get the point, don't you? We complain. What are some of those areas of life that you just, it's just complaining is part of what you do? Now, how about that? Who do you complain to when you do it? Who are those people that when you get together with them, you're naturally, you're, you're a complaining person? Is it family members? Is it coworkers? Other parents? Your children? All right. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry about this, guys. I'm going to bring the Bible into it. I'm going to bring some scripture, God's word into it. And, all right. I, I actually used this passage a couple weeks ago in a sermon that I shared. That's in Philippians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the Philippians, helping them to know the best way to live out life, to be able to shine the light of Christ in the world around them. And he says this, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 14, he says, do everything. Okay, so think about this. Do everything, he says. So what does that encompass? Well, it encompasses everything, right? So do everything, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're driving, whether you're at soccer games, no matter where you are, he says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Crap, <laughs> right guys? Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can, can, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. Do everything without complaining. So that you can shine the light of Christ. It's, that, it's an imagery of shining God's light, shining positivity and good things instead of constantly looking at the negative in this world. I know. What's the big deal, right guys? Well, let's be honest. What does complaining 
truly accomplish? As a pastor, needless to say, I've heard lots of complaining. It's sad to say. Uh, it was a, many years ago. I wasn't here at, at New Life where I'm at right now. He, uh, but I had a family one time complaining about me and the other church leadership for quite a while until it finally got back to me. I didn't even know what was go- going on. It was out in the community. People complaining about me and the church leadership. Why were they complaining about? Well, they had a family member that had been in the hospital. And no one in leadership, including me, went to visit them. Well, guess why? We didn't even know they were in the hospital. They never let us know. But boy, they complained. They complained quite a bit. I mean, the the whole town, after I found out about it, the town was all talking about it. So instead of coming and talking about it with us, doing something that could have helped, they helped make their church and, and their leadership look bad by complaining all over town. Isn't that crazy? Instead of doing something that could have helped the situation, they just complain. Another thing is I've regularly heard complaints about the temperature in church. Just every church I've been in, I've had at least one time that someone's complained about the temperature, too hot or too cold. You know, I know one pastor who regularly heard the complaints about the temperature on a Sunday morning. So one Sunday morning, he did a quick survey. He asked how many of the people in the congregation sitting there, how many of them were cold? And it was about a quarter of them. How many of you were a little bit warm? It was about a quarter of them. How many of you are comfortable? About a quarter. Yeah, then there was a quarter of them that didn't vote at all. I guess they were waiting to reserve the right to complain later about the survey itself. So he proved that complaining didn't make any sense as someone else was doing this, the same thing, but in the other direction. Usually complaining is simply spreading negativity without actually doing something that can change the dynamics of the situation. If that family who was complaining about me not coming to visit their family member in the hospital, if they simply would have called me or come talk to me later after the fact to say, hey, this happened, man, I, I would have helped them understand. You've got to let me know. And I definitely would have or somebody would have come to visit you and they could have potentially solved their issue. And when it did finally come out that they were complaining at the church and their pastor and they had never even called me, well, let's just say that they were the ones that had crow in their face. They were the ones that people started saying, wait a second, you didn't even let us know and you've been telling how bad your church is? They were the ones that looked bad all of a sudden. So what Paul says here, it came to fruition. They were not innocent. They were the ones in the wrong. You know, there's a cool story in the book of Numbers chapter 27. There were five daughters whose father died. Now this is back in Numbers 27. So this is the very Old Testament, the old word where women had no rights and, you know, and and there were no men in this family anymore. Dad had died. There were no brothers, no son-in-laws yet. And so in that time period, there was nothing in the law that to allow these women or these daughters to inherit any land or to have anything good come out of it. So these daughters of this dad who had died had no choice. Well, they did have a choice. They could have complained. They could have just gone to the marketplace and complained and complained, and it would have solved nothing. But instead, They went straight to Moses and they pleaded their case. And then Moses talked to God about it and the daughters received their dad's inheritance. It was the right thing. I mean, it wasn't in the law, but God says, yeah, this is the right thing to do, the loving thing to do. They could have complained and nothing would have come out of it, but instead they did the right thing and something good came out of it. You know, we could all do lots of complaining about our enemies or any time that someone comes against us in some way. It's easy to do. But what if we choose to 
go a different route. A few different ideas that I have for us. Well, what if we got thankful? What if we instead and looked at the negative, someone coming against us, what if instead we started looking at the positive? There, there has to be some positive. If nothing else, God loves us. So look at the positives and be thankful instead of being negative. Another thing we could do is simply pray about it. Take it to God. Maybe use that prayer that we're going to be working on here uh, over and over again. We're going to keep reminding ourselves. What if we decided to do a fast? Not a food fast. How about a complaining fast? What would it look like for you if you decided, I'm going to fast for a week or a month, get crazy, and just say, I, the normal places where I complain, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep from doing it. That would be hard, but try it. Another thing we can do is talk with the person that we're complaining about. Who knows? Maybe we, if we have a conversation with them instead of complaining about it, maybe something will get fixed. If it's politics, well, vote. You know, I know one guy, he loves to complain about politics. He complains and complains about all the politicians out there, but he never votes because he thinks that his one vote won't matter. Well, it's crazy. He doesn't do what's potentially the best thing to do. Okay, two last thoughts. What if? What if we did what Paul says in Philippians? We're still in Philippians. So chapter 4, verse 8, <clears throat> Paul says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So in other words, think about God things. Think about all the good things that God has here in this world. That's what we focus upon. When we have things that are not going our way, when we have a person against us acting like an enemy, we could retaliate. We could complain. But what if we simply focused upon God and his goodness and his love? His peace, his joy that he has available to us. What if we responded to that enemy with some kind of love? All right, guys, I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> Jesus did. Trust me, I struggle with some of this too. But if we get this stuff better with our communication with others, Jesus says life will be better. More peace, more joy. All right, so what's the last thing? Well, I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Holy Spirit of God, help us. We need it. Have a great week, guys. Have some great discussions in your life group. Mm -hmm.